Warning, the Motion Picture Association of America requires that we inform you that this episode of Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies contains massive spoilers that could ruin a first-time screening of the film covered in this episode. So, if you don't want to know that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's that Goose in Top Gun, that is really Kaiser Sose at the end of The Usual Suspects, or that Bruce Willis was a the whole time in The Sixth Sense, then proceed with caution. Powered by Transistor FM. Grab your popcorn, silence your phones, and tell your friends to shut up. Do not adjust your projector settings because what you're about to hear is real. The Derek Duvall Show presents Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies. Prepare yourself for insight and honest reviews from a married couple with varying movie tastes. Hot takes, hotter insights, and news you can use. Now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Mindy and Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hey, hello. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies. We are back with another fantastic look into a movie that both Mindy and I have watched together. Mindy, what movie are we going to be talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about the classic movie from the 90s, I think. 1997. (laughs) 1997 classic, Contact, starring Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, exactly. That's the first time we've done a Jodie Foster movie on this show. So, yeah. There All you right, go. then. We yeah. should do more. She's awesome. She is awesome. That's right. We were going to debate to do, you know, it's funny. We were we were getting ready to figure out what movie to watch. We were going to do Sons of the Lambs, but we were like, should we watch a movie that we both know we won't pick a five? And Jodie Foster in Sons of the Lambs, we would both pick fives because that movie is awesome. That movie is awesome. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Contact, the 1997 science fiction film, uh, basic premise, Dr. Arroway, played by Jodie Foster, is a steady scientist who discovers a deep radio signal emanating from space. What? What is steady? The search for extraterrestrial intelligence, which if you paid attention to one of the extra episodes where I had a director of SETI on, you would know that, Mindy. I knew that. I wanted you to explain that for our guest, <laughs> you pompous jerk. <laughs> no, I should have said, tell, us what our, tell our listeners what SETI <laughs> means if they don't know, because obviously I know. Right. But no, she's a SETI scientist, and she has received a message from, uh, uh, from the Vega star system. And basically, the whole movie deals with the ramifications of receiving a message from outer space. And deep in hidden inside this message are blueprints to build a machine which we're not entirely sure what the machine does and the whole movie leads up to what exactly this machine can do and we won't spoil that for you obviously because it's a big payoff which we well we might as well spoil that for you a little bit in in the show (laughs) again it's what 25 years old (laughs) yes it was a spoiler review but it does take her on a a, a, it it takes her on a magical journey through the cosmos and uh, one of the absolute most delightful endings that uh, I, I have ever seen in a movie. It, it really is very heart touching and very controversial in some ways. So, all right, Mindy, um, I've seen this movie. What was the first time and what was your first recollection of seeing this film? Probably with you, I would imagine. I don't remember having seen it before 
I knew you. So I would imagine the first time I saw it was with you, probably in the last, I don't know, 10 to 12 years. <laughs> 10 to 12 years. Yeah. That, that, that track. And I don't, I don't think we've watched it upstairs in the movie room until no. this time. Maybe, I, maybe I've watched it. Time. I've watched it on my own up here. I know yeah. for a fact I have. So, okay. Because I want to check out that that pulse when the radio signal comes through on my surround sound because it gives you it gives your speakers a workout that's for damn sure and your head <laughs> <laughs> it also gave our dogs made our dogs go a little crazy as well a little bit too much yeah. we had to turn it down for a bit yeah all right mindy i know about this movie you know about this movie let's go ahead and go to the notebook see what i did then you hypnotized him no i used this this is the most important piece of equipment you will ever own. This notebook has saved my skin more times than I care to mention. You should think about using yours more often. I do use mine. Show me. That's just extraordinary. All right, Derek. <laughs> okay. So the first thing I wrote down, the very beginning of the movie, it has a, I put cool opening, but too long. So it's, they're trying to set the scene that they're going to be talking about deep space and communications. So they start with our planet and then they slowly zoom out and get to our solar system and farther and farther and farther. But wait, what do they do when they get to our planet? What are we listening to? I don't Radios, <laughs> the, ra the radio, radio signals. And, they, and the further away we get from our planet, the further back the radio yes. signals have traveled. That's which is basically the premise of this movie. Yeah. I just, I, I, it looked really visually pleasing, like all the stars and the solar system and the planets and all that. I thought it was really cool. It just like, it's probably a good five to seven minutes, right? I mean, it took a while. So cool, but long opening is what I wrote down here. And then, so once they, so she's been doing, she's been after this for years, trying to like, ever since she was a little girl, she would, you know, mess around or, you know, use her dad's like long range radio system to try to see where they could pick up another signal and like the furthest one they found was in florida so she's been really trying to search like how far can you go you know can you can she asked her dad when she's a kid like can you get a signal from the moon can you get a signal from here and you know and so she's always been kind of in search of how far can we get communication and so when she finally does get this signal from deep outer space it's like Finally, you know, so she's so excited about it. And then vindicated. they vindicated a little bit. Yeah. And they are using this like big set of like 23 telescopes in New Mexico. And once they put the word out that they've, you know, gotten this message and stuff, everybody shows up to this place in <laughs> New Mexico. And I put it's like Woodstock for alien watching at the New yeah. Mexico place because they were a, just like crazy. It, it was it was definitely um it was definitely a carnival attraction. Yes, I would say that's okay. Yeah, it was like people excited for it. They were like, you know, really religious people who were trying to preach about it and what this means and like all kinds of different people. But it was like crazy, like a festival, like Woodstock, like people were camping out and yeah. kind of crazy. The Hail to Vega choir always makes me laugh. Hail to Vega, hail to Vega. Yeah. I love that part. <laughs> exactly. And so then they get these, um, they get their funding. They lost their original like government funding uh, where she was, where was she down in? Uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. They lost their funding, government funding for that. And so they had to find this private funding. And it was this like 
really eclectic kind of crazy bajillionaire mr haddon and i put so he goes he never really met her before he gave her all this money and then after she got the signal he wants to meet with her well he lands his plane and they're like oh he doesn't land for just anyone i'm like what so i put what a waste of resources for this guy he lives on a big giant airplane and just flies around all the time i'm like that's terrible for the environment right yeah. <laughs> So anyway, he just fl- like not even just lands somewhere and lives on it, but like flies around all the time. So I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. Then I wrote this down and I think Derek is going to provide some context for it. I wrote James Woods's character. I put he was being such a jerk talking about the machine. And yeah. so I was like, what was that again? And so you're going to fill us in on that. Yeah, James Wood, he plays a national security advisor and his job is basically like to be paranoid as hell about you know the interests of national security i mean his job title says it all and basically anytime something anytime that dr Arroway, character played by jody foster has something positive his job is basically to counteract with something incredibly negative like hey it might be a trojan army you know like we, we build this thing and the whole army comes you know crawling out or you know hey like you know all of a sudden you know a, a civilization gets to be like too advanced we send this machine and we blow ourselves to kingdom come he's like the, he was the, the he's the absolute you know uh debbie downer you know? yeah debbie downer yeah or, sure. or the part where they figure out that you know the original signal was a hitler broadcast you know they send it back like hey sig heil you're our kind of people you know it's like yeah. yeah he was like so yeah that's part of what it was embedded in the message was the first a televised signal that went so far and it yeah. just happened to be the opening of the olympics or hitler opened the olympics and so they're like oh my gosh the, so the scientists are like well that's just the first time we sent a signal out so far that they could reach it so they're just pinging it back and saying hey we got you we hear you and he's like but what if they're like oh yeah zig heil yeah you're our people and they're like what <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> yeah. i don't think that's what the aliens are trying to say yeah and then Tom Skerritt is in this, who I love Tom Skerritt, and he almost always plays a, a nice, wholesome character, I would say. Viper. For the, yeah, Viper. I mean, all the movies that I can think of him being in, he is like the nice guy, and he is such a jerk in this movie. He is always taking credit for Ellie's work, and he found out that she got this like coveted position down there in Puerto Rico. And then bam, all of a sudden her funding's gone. And he's like, you're wasting your career. I don't want you to just be, you know, listening for signals all the time. And you're going to be a laughing stock. So I'm doing you a favor by like closing this down. And she's like, what an ass. So were you like, were you the person in the theater cheering when he got blown up by that terrorist bomb at the end? Oh, I don't want him to be blown up. But then every time they went to like make an announcement about something, and she had like at the White House, she had her little note card. She thought she was going to go up there and give a little speech about the project. And he just like whoosh, run, runs right up there and takes over and is like, yes, we've been doing this. And I'm like, you haven't been doing crap. Yeah. <laughs> so every time he could take credit for her work, he he absolutely did. He's a, he's a master of opportunity. Yeah, something like that. And it, he and you like the part where he was cutting her off and mansplaining the whole thing to the rest of the, to her. And, uh, yeah. yeah, audible eye rolls for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. And then getting back to Mr. Haddon, 
so this crazy, you know, eclectic bajillionaire, he's actually dying, I guess. And so he found out that the weightlessness in space will help keep him alive longer. So he's just like chilling on the space station and like hanging upside down. And so like she gets back to her place and there's like this like video conferencing, you know, very um, <laughs> like old school video conferencing from the 90s. Yeah. And it's him just like on the space station hanging upside down. And I'm like, what a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I remember when I saw this in the theaters in, in 97 and that scene, I, I mean, you remember they, we had just had the terrorist bomb explode the machine. Everybody's like, you know, what do we do now? You're like, are they going to rebuild the machine? What have you? And that scene was such a pivotal scene in that movie because we were at the lowest part of the movie. Like we're like, what can happen now? And this guy swoops in out of, out of <laughs> literally from space and <laughs> saves the day saying like, First rule in government spending, why build one when you can build two at twice the price? Exactly. And, and basically flat out says, Hey, I own this machine. You're up. Let's let's yeah. let's go. Let's go for it. And then like, I mean, that whole scene, it still it just gives you chills. That was like, I remember in theater, everybody went batshit crazy. Everybody was like, Oh my god, yay. Yeah. So yeah. So I thought that I love that line too, like government spending. Why build one when you could build two at twice the price? I thought that was really genius. So the whole reason that she, so they had like these candidates that they had put up for who is going to pilot this machine? Who's going to go on the machine? Because whoever does so is basically representing all of humanity in what, like, they don't even know what's going to happen. Like, are they going to meet some, you know, extraterrestrials and they need somebody that's going to speak on behalf of the whole planet. And so they, had all these hearings and interviews and went through all this stuff. And basically the whole reason she didn't get picked and Tom Scare's character did is because she said as a scientist that she didn't believe in God because she deals in facts and she can't prove it. And so scientifically that wasn't one of her beliefs. And they were like 95% of the planet believes in some sort of higher power. So you just, you knocked it. You knocked yourself right out. One thing we haven't talked about yet is Matthew McConaughey, who is also kind of a big deal in this movie yeah <laughs> kind of one of the main characters and he plays this guy who palmer was, joss yes palmer joss <laughs> and he went through seminary and got his master's degree in like i don't know religion or whatever and then he decided he didn't want to be a priest because he didn't want to have to be celibate who, who of would course, matthew mcconaughey <laughs> and so anyway so he's kind of like the other side of this coin and so they kind of had a little bit of a fling back when they were in puerto rico and then they haven't seen each other since then but now he's part of this committee to try to pick who's gonna go and he basically tanks the interview for her because he's the one that asked do you believe in god and that's what killed her and so killed her interview and so yeah when the, mr haddon comes around and he's like guess what there's another one and you're it because tom scarrett died and you were the next best choice so Yep. So I, that, I thought that was awesome. Um, so then what I wrote down, so they build this crazy machine. It has this like orb that the person sits in and it basically, they get this machine up to speed and then it drops this little pod with the person in it. And they don't know really what it's going to do, but in earth time, it just bloop, drops right through and hits the water, hits the net. But in 
their time, it was like 18 hours worth, like, because her headset recorded 18 hours worth of static. So she was gone for like 18 hours, got back, and it was like, no, no, you didn't go anywhere. We just saw you drop right down. Mm-hmm. So what happens is she goes through all these different crazy, like, wormholes. And I can see Derek's face is getting funny. Like, I'm going to try to explain this. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. Go for it, please. <laughs> So she goes through all these like kind of different wormholes and it's like you, she like part of her face goes off to the side a couple of times and she says a few words and then it's like what she ends up saying like later on, which I thought that was really cool, but she ends up, they get to this place and it looks like this beautiful beach. It was so pretty. Like the water was beautiful. There was sand and palm trees and everything. And what I thought of first before I even before they even said it was supposed to look like Pensacola because that's like, she had drawn this little picture, you know, when she was a kid, because that was like where she had reached with the long range radio thing. So, and then all of a sudden her dad starts walking up the beach and it was like, Oh, and her dad had died when she was like nine. And so she was like talking to him like, Oh my God, dad, it's you. And then she was like, wait a minute, let me, let me step back here for a minute because that can't be right. <laughs> and she was like, this isn't real, is it? And they're like, no, but we kind of thought it would be easier. And she was like, oh, my gosh, she like downloaded all my memories and thoughts and whatever. And so they like made this place look like Pensacola, someplace she was familiar with. And then they made, you know, made this alien creature look like her dad because that would be kind of easier for her to talk to. So anyway, I wrote down beautiful quote Pensacola with her dad. So it was just like this really beautiful place and they had this like really sweet little conversation i've been to pensacola it looks nothing like that <laughs> yeah i think this version was much nicer than actual record. real pensacola sorry pensacola re- if you're listening <laughs> i was stationed in pensacola trust me it, that was a much nicer version of pensacola <laughs> yeah for sure so she has this talk with her dad and then she's and then she realizes okay this isn't dad this is you know, extraterrestrial life. I need to focus on my mission, what I'm supposed to be doing. So she asks some really relevant questions. You know, are we alone? What's happening? You know, all this stuff. And then she gets taken back. And when she wakes up, she's like, oh my gosh, did you guys see that? Did it, did you catch it? And they're like, dude, nothing happened. You just dropped right through. We'll have to do it again. And she's like, no, no. And so nobody believes her. And she has to go in front of like Congress or whatever this congressional hearing and she is arguing and so i wrote down she's arguing for them to believe her without proof like having faith that something happened which i thought was very what i want to say ironic because she as a scientist would be the first one to not believe somebody else who was telling this story because she always wants facts and evidence and so i just thought that was really ironic and then i wrote down she should have reminded them that 95% of the planet said they believe in some sort of higher power and that they have faith and they should believe her because why would she make up this crazy story? And they're like, you probably just hallucinated it because all of the crazy amount of energy, because it was like glowing with energy. This machine was spinning and spinning. So hmm. anyway, so that's all I have. Okay. I want to talk about that ending. So obviously James Wood resigns as national security advisor and he heads up this congressional uh, committee and grills her, basically makes her recant her story in somewhat to a point, but she basically you know, doubles down and say, no, this happened to me. And 
it was off camera, you know, behind closed doors that it's revealed that it really did happen because her headset recorded 18 hours of static, which, you know, could you how you don't bring that up in the congressional committee? I I I I don't agree with that. That that was that's that was horrible, horrible call. Um, yeah, I but, mean that's part of. I mean it didn't have anything on it, but it was static, and yeah. so they were like, "Oh, did you see the recording?" And they're like, "Yeah, it was just static." They're like, "Yeah, but did you see how long it recorded?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah. interesting." So yeah. yeah, the fact that they didn't bring that up as like part of evidence was yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 18 hours static. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for that. Let's go ahead and bring it now to our final conclusion. So, Mindy, go ahead and bring us down. What is a one star? Are you sure you don't want to say the scale, Derek? I would really, really not. (laughs) Mindy, what is a one star? Bloody awful. What is a two star? Bloody uninspired. Three stars? Bloody average. Four stars? Bloody brilliant. And five stars. Bloody marvelous. Bloody marvelous. Mindy, go ahead and tell us what you thought of this movie. Well, overall, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's uh, this is more Derek's cup of tea than mine, which is one of the reasons he picked it for us to watch for one of these episodes, because he knew I wouldn't give it a five. <laughs> but overall, it was pretty good. I love Jodie Foster. She's amazing in pretty much everything I've seen her in. So she's awesome. Matthew McConaughey, throw him in there. You know, a couple other characters were good. Uh, Good original storyline and plot and everything. I thought it's a good movie. So I'm going to give it 3.5 stars. I don't know what that is. Uh, Braveridge. Brillage. It's brillage. It's brilliantly average. Brilliantly (laughs) average. Okay, right on. Uh, For me, uh, I absolutely love this film. It's a great piece of science fiction. Uh, I was reading back through some of our Twitter comments, and there was one Twitter comment in particular. I'm going to give this this guy a shout-out. He is View Thunder, and he wrote, uh, Love this film. I sat in the theater in complete awe, and this is the part that got me. A film that tackles science and religion with equal reverence without taking sides. A masterpiece, he wrote. I really thought that was very, very – hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. For me, for me, I 100% agree. I think this movie was uh, it was it's a smart, a smartly written science fiction film. I've read the book. Uh, the book is phenomenal as well. It was perfectly cast, and overall, I think it was way ahead of its time. I think this movie should have come out ten years after it came out. I think it would be even more well received. Uh, the fact that it has a 68% Rotten Tomatoes score baffles me, but <laughs> that's just me. So with that being said, I give this a four stars. Bloody. Yeah. What is four stars, Derek? Do tell. Bloody, <laughs> bloody inspired. No. Bloody, oh, what is it, man? Help me out. Brilliant. Bloody brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I give it all in all. I give this four stars. Bloody brilliant. Excellent. All right. So that wraps up another fantastic episode of Derek and Mindy's. Fun with movies. And before we have so much fun making these, but before we wrap up the show, we've got to give a spotlight to our sponsors. But we're very excited to announce that we are now sponsored by BetterHelp. They are fantastic. Go to www.betterhelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show for 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp. And you will get matched with a therapist who will listen and help you with any problems that you might have. Also, we have a great shop on tpublic.com. Go to DerekDevallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says merch. 
click that and you'll go to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. So on behalf of myself and Mindy, you keep listening to them. We'll keep making them. Until next time. We'll, we'll see, see you at the movies, movies planet Earth. Earth. This has been a recording of the Derek Duval Show. And we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.